Welcome to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast aims to bring the sermon from our Sunday morning service to you each and every week. Whether you're a longtime follower of Christ or just beginning to explore who Jesus is, we invite you to join us as we dive deep into God's Word and what He has to teach us today. So listen in as we jump into what God has in store. Uh, well, good morning. Good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. What a great morning of worship and big welcome to everybody here at our Franklin campus. Welcome to our online campus. So grateful for all God's doing in his church and in your life. I pray and welcome back to our series called Heaven. And man, I love this series. Last week, if you missed it, go back and watch it because we just talked about what is heaven. And it, it was incredible. And if you've missed out, man, God is, wants you to know. God wants all of us to know. You know, even from a young age, right? We, we see it in our hearts. Uh, maybe you remember being a child and praying this prayer, right? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Okay, maybe I was the only one who prayed that. But anyway, so, it's, it's a prayer that like we pray teach our kids. But even at that prayer, right? We know, Lord, take my soul, that this life is not out there is, that this body is going to waste away, that even as kids, we know. And why? Because God says, even in his word, I've set eternity in man's heart. I've set eternity in man's hearts. And so we know that there is more to come. And, and we've looked at history, right? Last week, we talked about this, that every civilization that's ever existed has had some belief about the afterlife. And the Egyptians or the Vikings, the Greeks, the Romans, the Jews, right? Every religion today, that there is more to come. And God wants us to know. That's the beauty of it. Do you know over 550 times heaven is mentioned in the Bible? God spells it out for us. This is what it's going to be like. I want you to know. I want you to understand this. Jesus talked about heaven and he talked about hell. He talked about both, that when we die, there is a place that we go. Jesus said, I have prepared a place for you. And the beauty of heaven, like we saw last week, is this. It's eternal perfection. It's a place where we are fully alive. We experience all that God has for us. That we have all the time to spend with people. That we have all the energy to do the things that we want to do. That we experience life to the full. Now, we said last week that there's some misconceptions about heaven, Right? And some people think, oh man, all I do is play a harp all day. No, right? That would be boring, okay? Like, we don't want to do that. I mean, there is so much to do in heaven. And this week we're talking about, well, how do I get to heaven? And then next week we'll talk about what do we do in heaven? But how do I get to heaven? There's a lot of misconceptions today about that. A lot of people think, well, all you have to do is be good. If you're just good, you'll go to heaven, right? Good people go to heaven. But we never stop to say, well, how good do I really have to be? I mean, like, you know, kind of where's the line, right? And some people say, well, you know, all you have to do is just do the right thing. If, if you do the right things, you're going to make it to heaven. If you do the wrong things, whoo, not going to go well for you, right? It's right or wrong. I mean, that's it. That's all it is. It's about what you do. Uh, some people think, well, all I have to do is show up for church, right? And I'm glad you're here, right? But being in church doesn't make you a Christian, any more than sleeping in a garage makes you a car, right? I mean, there's, there's got to be more to it than just I showed up at church, right? Because a lot of people just show up every now and then. What is it? What is the key to us getting into heaven? Well, there was a small group leader uh, who was teaching second grade at another church and several years ago, and she was asking her second graders this, you know, what does it take to get into heaven? Is it about being good? Is that it? Is it about being Right. Is it about, you know, being in church? And, and what does it take to get into heaven? And, and one of her second graders said, 
you have to be dead. It's like, okay, <laughs> kind of sums it up right there. Okay, well, let's talk about this. How do I get to heaven? If you have a Bible, open with me to the book of Acts, to the book of Acts, and we're going to go there. So if you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back. Love for you to grab one. If you're online, you can go to the Church Center app and pull up the scripture there. We're going to be in Acts chapter 4 today. But I want to set the stage for you as we kind of dive in here to Acts. You see, Jesus, right? He comes, he dies on a cross for your sins and for my sins. But death can't keep him in the ground. He is resurrected, conquers death. And then he tells his disciples, okay, you go share the good news. You go tell. And so Acts opens up with Jesus telling him, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world, right? Go share about what I've done for all mankind. And so these early disciples start to do that. You know, Jesus ascends into heaven. In Acts chapter 2, the early church just takes off. People are coming from all over. They want to hear about Jesus, right? And Peter and John, two of the disciples, are going to the temple one day, and there's a beggar lying there in Acts chapter 3. And the beggar's like, hey, can I have money? Can I have money? Can I have money, right? Because he's thinking money's going to solve all his problems. And Peter and John stop, and they go, you know what? Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the guy gets up and walks, right? I mean, like his life is totally changed. I mean, like he's healed and everybody at the temple is going, whoa, what is happening right here? And he healed him in the name of Jesus. Well, you can imagine the religious leaders were not happy because they just crucified Jesus right here at the help of the Romans. And so they call Peter and John in and they come and they bring them before the Sanhedrin. Now the Sanhedrin is 72 of the religious leaders. I mean, these are the most religious people that have ever been. I mean, Pharisees, Sadducees, they have memorized the first five books of the Bible. I mean, you talk about doing the right thing. You talk about being good. They bring them in and Peter and John, and they say, tell us how this happens. In chapter four, verse 11, Peter says, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. He's like, you guys made it all about religion and you missed the cornerstone, what it's all about, it's Jesus. And then look at verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. He just sums it up right there. Here it is, guys. It's salvation in Jesus alone. And love, love verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, Right, these guys were fishermen, man. If they followed Jesus, they saw God do miracles, their lives were forever changed. They were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Man, I pray when people see our lives that they go, man, uh, they're, they're ordinary people, but man, there's something different about them. They've been with Jesus. And but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they've performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Name. Then they called them in again and they commanded them not to speak or to teach at all the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes? to listen to you or to him. You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Wow. 
Man, I love that courage. I mean, the Sanhedrin is the one who put Jesus on the cross. And Peter and John are like, I don't care what you do to us. We can't help stop speaking about Jesus. He's the one who's changed our lives. And we have eternity because of him. And we want everyone to know. Oh, I pray that we have that same boldness and that same courage to share today. All right, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. If you've got a worship guide or if you've got the Rolling Hills app, the Church Center app, hey, you can pull that up and place to fill in some blanks. But first of all, here's some things that we gotta know. What does not get us into heaven? What does not get us into heaven? Here's what Peter says, right? Salvation is found in no one else, okay? For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. See, the interest to heaven is not based on good works, right? And there's a lot of people, maybe you grew up in a tradition that was that. You believe that, right? Hey, just be good, just be good. But you never stop to ask the question, you know, well, how good is good enough? I mean, is it 5149? I mean, is that what it is? Do you stand before God one day and he's like, yeah, it was close, but um, yeah, I would say, okay, okay, 5149, right? You make it. <laughs> but see, God is holy. He is perfect. In him is no sin. And so it's kind of weird to go, well, I'm half bad, but half bad people get in, right? I mean, it's like you're good, you know, but you're half good. Yeah. Well, okay, well, that's probably not it. Maybe it's 60-40. That still seems a little kind of, you know, maybe 70-30, maybe 80-20, maybe 90-10, but still you're going 10% bad? I mean, like it, there is no sin? I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm not really bad, but how bad is bad? Yeah. You know, the standard is perfection, right? I mean, it's 100%. I mean, God is perfect. So you got this standard. See, Billy Graham never thought he was good enough. That's Billy Graham. That's a, that's a pretty high standard. Mother Teresa never thought she was good enough. You're like, well, I'm not as good as Mother Teresa, you know? So, so what is it, right? I, I can't be good enough on my own. So heaven's not based on good works. The interest of heaven is not based on being born in the right family. A lot of times you hear that, you go, well, they're just from a good Christian family. Yeah, they're fine, you know. <laughs> they're a good Catholic family. Oh, you know what? They're a good Jewish family. You know, they're, that whole family, that whole family's fine. Their whole family's gonna be good, right? Is, is it really? Like if I'm born in a certain place, but then other people are born in a different family and they didn't have a good family? I mean, does it... Is that it? No, that's not it, right? The interest of heaven is not based on how much you're in church or how well you know the Bible. Now, it's important to be in church. It's important to know the Bible, right? I mean, these things are important, but you know, there's people around the world, right, who would love to be in church today, and they have a government that won't let them go to church. They don't have that freedom, so they're meeting in underground churches because they crave community, and they want to be with brothers and sisters in Christ, but they, they can't, or, or man, they maybe they don't even have a copy of the Scripture. I mean, does that... It, see, entrance to heaven is not based on religion. It's not based on religion. Peter and John are talking to the most religious people there was. Entrance to heaven is not based on religion, but a relationship. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. All right, if you're in Acts, turn over with me to Mark, because Jesus shows us this so clearly. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Just kind of turn back over your Bible to the left. Get back into the Gospels. And here's what happens. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. All right, so you can picture the scene. Jesus has been teaching. He's been healing. All these people are around. And this guy comes running out of the crowd. And he just falls on his knees right before Jesus. Good teacher, he asked. 
What must I do, notice that, I do, to inherit eternal life? It's a question we're all asking. How do I get to heaven? How do I have eternal life? What must I do is what this guy says. Now we know from the other gospels that this guy was rich. He was kind of a leader in that time. He was a ruler, uh, he was young. So this guy's got all the worldly success. I mean, he's banking it, he's got all the money. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. It's like, do you realize who I am? Do you know that I am God incarnate? Do you realize that? Because nobody else is good. So if you ever say, hey, well, maybe I'm good enough. Well, Jesus just said, nobody's good, right? Except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimonies. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He's like going back to the big 10, the big 10 commandments. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And I'm sure Jesus is like, yeah, right, buddy. <laughs> you know, I know what you think, right? I know what's going on in your mind. I know what's going on in your heart. But okay, you've been religious. You've been keeping all these commands since you were a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Now, guys, I don't know if you underline your Bible, but man, that is powerful, right? Jesus didn't look at him and condemn him. He didn't make fun of him. He just, he just looked at him. He loved him. Do you know when Jesus looks at you, he loves you? You know, Jesus loves you. Not only does Jesus love you, he likes you. I mean, you are created in the image of God. You are precious in God's sight. He loves you. He looked at this guy and he loved him. And then he said, one thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now, the only place in scripture where Jesus tells somebody this is right here, okay? And, and you may be thinking, wow, I mean, that's pretty big. But you know what? Jesus was looking at his heart and going, God's your money. God and money is your God. I mean, right there, you know? I mean, you're, you're living for money. That's your wealth. That's your success. That's your God. Just, just go sell it all and follow me. I'll take care of you. I'll meet your needs. I'll provide, but, but do that. Now, God's not saying that to you. But if he did, could you? And we're all like, I'll just give 10%. That's good. You know, I'll take the tithe thing, right? You know, the first 10% back to you. That I'm all for that, okay? You know, right there. But it's this matter of faith. It's this matter of trust. And then he says, come follow me. Trust me. Follow me with your life. Have a relationship with me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. You're like, oh man, you missed it. I mean, all the miracles you would have seen, all the incredible things that would have unfolded and you... You missed it, but it's amazing how this guy had great wealth and yet he runs and he falls on his knees before Jesus. Obviously the wealth wasn't satisfying, right? Obviously he wasn't like, hey, my life's perfect. I got it all worked out. I got enough money, right? It's like there was something missing in his life and he went to Jesus, but he didn't have the guts, the courage, the boldness to say, okay, I'll follow, right? Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know if you know, like the eye of a needle is really small, right? A camel is really big. I mean, Jesus was making a 
pretty clear point here. And a lot of people have rationalized that and go, well, you know, the, the gates in Jerusalem, they're small, but you know, a camel could maybe get it. No, what Jesus was saying is it's impossible. It's not going to happen. The disciples were even more amazed. And they said to each other, who then can be saved? Who can have this eternal life? Who can go to heaven? And Jesus looked at them and he said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Wow, praise be to God for that truth. All right, look, there is only one way to heaven. And that's what Jesus is wanting us to know today. There's only one way, right? And Jesus is saying, I'm it. I'm gonna make that really clear. Jesus said this famous verse, right? Jesus said, I am the way. I am this great declaration. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is like, this is why I'm here. I'm here for you. I want you to have eternal life. The Bible is very clear that the only way to heaven is through Jesus. And maybe today, you know, well, there's the Unitarian Universalism. It's just like, hey, believe whatever you want to believe, right? And, and whatever you think, maybe, you know, it's not right or wrong. It's just like, whatever. And you're like, what? What you believe matters. Your belief determines your behavior, right? What if we just said in this world, right? There's no rules, there's no laws. Everybody can do whatever you want. Just it's free for all, right? It'd be like chaos, wouldn't it, right? And God is the one who created order. God's the one who said, listen, I'm making this right. Some people say, well, don't all roads lead to heaven? I mean, they're just like, hey, eventually it's us all gonna work out. But, but see, all religions are not the same. They're, they're just not. I mean, you can study, I mean, the, the five major world religions and you can look and you can study and you can go, wait, their supreme being or their higher power is unknowable, unapproachable, unpleasable. Like, I mean, you talk about those religions where you go, man, I'm gonna stand before this higher power and I don't even know. Like the, the last day of my life, I have no clue. A am I gonna go to eternal life or am I gonna be reincarnated as something else? I mean, wh what's gonna happen? No clue. And God their supreme being doesn't care. You're like, whoa, that's way different than Christianity. Way different. And God's saying, listen, I've come for you. See, religion is about man trying to get to God. I mean, really, when you boil it down, it's like, I can earn it. I can do enough. I can save myself. Religion is a man trying to get to God. Christianity is God coming to man. And that's what Jesus was saying right there. With you, it's, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. God coming to us. This is the good news of the gospel, you guys. This is what the gospel is all about. This is why it spread, right? When it started there in Acts chapter one, and Acts chapter two, and it just took off and it spread throughout history. Do you know over 30%, 31.6%, I think, of the world today is a Christian. It's Christ followers, right? You think about that. I mean, a third of the world basically today. People want to know. I read a stat the other day. 84% of people in the world today are open to spiritual thoughts and questions. It's the highest it's been, right? In, in history, people are open. We think, oh no, people are agnostic or you know, people are atheists or people don't like God. Or, you know, you, you, but no, you look at that and that stat and, and they were saying, yeah, COVID kind of changed the game. All of a sudden people were confronted with their own mortality and they went, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> There's gotta be more to this life. 
So I was thinking about that. 84% of the people in the world today are open to spiritual conversations. You know, about a third of the world is Christians. What if every Christ follower shared our faith with two people? Uh, the whole world would know, <laughs> right? Like, we have that opportunity in our lifetime to share Christ and to see Jesus' return. I mean, how incredible is that? All right, listen, on your chair today, there is a God Good News booklet. If you're online, you can go on the website and you can go to rollinghills.church and, and slash Jesus, or you can go in the chat and we've got it there for you. But I would just love for you to kind of pull that out. And that copy is for you. And maybe that's for you. Uh, you've been wrestling with your faith and you've been kind of wondering what it's all about, or maybe it's for you to share with your child or your grandchild, or maybe you've got a coworker who's asking spiritual questions. I mean, this is what it's about because here's what it tells us in Ephesians. It says this in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works. We can't earn it so that no one can boast. So we don't stand before God and go, look how good I am, God. You got it. <laughs> God's going, really? It's like, no, I love you. That's why you're here. So in the booklet, there's some illustrations that just help. And there's some things that you can see because of our sin, we're separated from God. So you got man and God and sin separates. And then you'll see that we respond to this separation from God in a variety of ways. Just like the rich young ruler, right? Especially people in our place, our culture. Money, career, me, family, possessions, relationships. And we try to do all this to fill that God-shaped hole in our heart. And yet for so many, right, we still realize I need to fall at the feet of Jesus because I can't do it. And people over here, maybe you're just going, there's gotta be more to life. There's gotta be more. And God says, yes. And sometimes we think, well, it's through church or this moral life or good deeds, all the things we just talked about. But what we realize is this, is this Jesus. <laughs> that God bridged our separation through his son, Jesus. Right there, when we were separated from God, Jesus came and died on a cross to bring God and man together, to pay the price for your sins and for my sins. We must put our faith in Jesus, our Savior and King. It's a genuine faith in Christ and Christ alone. And genuine faith is a whole person's response to God's good news. Our mind, our will, our heart, everything in us, I'm going to follow some people go, well, you know, I, I, I don't know if I made that decision. You know, maybe there was a time at a, at a camp when I said, you know, okay, I'll do it. And, and I raised my hand, but then I went back and lived however I wanted to live. And, and yet what you find is God's inviting you into a relationship. Yes, there's this commitment. I'm committing my life to follow Christ. I wanna be baptized into him, right? I want people to know, but then I wanna live my life. My belief determines my behavior. My belief determines my behavior. Okay, get this. If you are in Christ, when a Christ follower dies, they go directly to heaven. If you are in Christ, then Christ is the one who determines, not me, not what must I do. It's Jesus, my relationship with Christ. Maybe you remember last week, we talked about this. Jesus answered this thief on the cross. Truly, I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. And last week we said paradise means a walled garden. So that's heaven, the Garden of Eden when God created it and it was perfect. Imagine heaven, it's a place, it's gonna be beautiful. But what I want you to see today is he says today that there's two thieves, right? When Jesus was crucified, one was right and one was left. One mocked him and said, hey, you know, you saved others, save yourself. And the other one goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're guilty, this guy's innocent. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
right? I recognize who you are, the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise, right? Today. Now think about this. That guy couldn't climb down off that cross and go do a bunch of good deeds and earn his way, right? He couldn't climb down on the cross and be, go be baptized. Well, that's powerful, right? Because baptism is not salvific. It's not the water that saves you. Baptism is an outward expression of your faith in Jesus. But he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Why? Because of the confession of your faith. Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of my life. If you have a relationship with Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus, then when you die, you go directly to heaven. That's powerful. I had a good friend call me this week and he's like, hey, my uncle just passed away. And he goes, hey, can you just reassure me that today he's in heaven? I said, did he know Jesus? He goes, yeah. I go, I can reassure you a thousand percent. I could send you to scripture after scripture to tell you that right now, your uncle closed his eyes on this earth and he has opened his eyes and he sees Jesus. He goes, thank you. That's all I need to hear. I just need to hear that today. Praise be to God. Well, some people will say, well, what about purgatory? Maybe you grew up with this belief about purgatory. Well, I'll just tell you, purgatory is not taught in the Bible, okay? Now, you can see where purgatory idea comes from because we're like, well, there's some people that I don't know, right? And so they're gonna go to this holding place and maybe they can get it all worked out there and figured it out there. And then they'll get good enough, you know, to go and be with God in heaven. But the Bible doesn't talk about some holding place. The Bible doesn't tell us like after we die, hey, there's this place that you go and you can get it all worked out, right? The Bible says, this is it. This is the time when you commit your life to Christ. And it doesn't mean that we are perfect at all. But when Jesus died on that cross, he died for our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. So when you accept Jesus Christ, eternal life begins now. Eternal life begins now. Guys, think about that. Because now you know with confidence that heaven awaits. Now you don't have to live in fear of this world. Now you don't have to live in, you know, like, oh no, what's gonna happen to me? Or what's gonna happen if I don't have money? Or what's gonna happen to me in my relationship? Or what's gonna... Now, no, no, you have confidence that God is with you. You have confidence that God is for you. You have confidence that your eternity is secure. That's how Peter and John can be so bold. And what are you gonna do to us? <laughs> Listen, we know that our eternity is secure. Man, to live with that kind of confidence, Praise be to God. Because here's the fact. Once saved, you're always saved. Once saved, always saved. Now, there's different people that would go, well, I don't know. You know, I mean, what if a person, they raise their hand and then they walk away? Well, I would come back and say, were they really saved? Right? I mean, was there a time that you're really saved, that you committed your life to Christ and you are going to follow him? If you are saved in him, then you have eternity. You have eternity. Now, the fruit reflects the root, right? So if you're rooted in the world and all your life just looks like the world and you're going, well, there's really no fruit. I mean, then you have to kind of come back to, okay. But if you're rooted in Christ, then it will impact what you do. It will impact how you live and what you believe. But once you've made a commitment to Christ, you are forever his. Praise be to God for that truth, right? I mean, you are a son or a daughter of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I'm a dad. I have three incredible kids. I love them with all my heart. And I want to tell you, they're great kids. They're, they're amazing. But they may make some bad decisions at some point in their life. I pray they don't, but they have this thing called free will, right? And so I, I just pray that they don't. But no matter what they do, they're never going to stop being my kid. I will love them. I will fight for them. I will do whatever for them because they're mine. 
Now think about that. That's what God sees in you. You, when you accept Christ, are a son or a daughter of the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he will love you. He'll never give up on you. There's nothing that can snatch you out of his hand. You are forever his. Wow. Okay, listen. What you do here on this earth impacts eternity. Guys, what you do here on this earth impacts eternity. I want you to get this. I want us to know this. Guys, think about this. Here's what Jesus says. He says, do not store for yourselves treasures on this earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but rather store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus goes, if your treasure's in this world and you're living for this world, that's, that's where you're gonna invest your time, your energy, your resources, everything else. But if your treasure's in the things of God, you're gonna start to live for the things of God. And this life is preparation for eternity. This life right here is preparation for eternity. We only have, right? 70, 80, 90, 100 years on this earth. That's it. And then there's eternity, okay? I mean, it goes on for a long, 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 long time. So what you do here impacts eternity. So live it all here. Leave it all in the field, right? I mean, give our best, our utmost for the glory of God. Jesus said this. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, as a pastor, I got to tell you, that, that verse, man, it always stays with me. Because I know there's people who come in and out, right? And there's people who come at Christmas or at Easter only, or there's people who are just kind of, and I'm like, I want you to know Jesus. Please, 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 I want you to know. Because not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, and some of you, you may know, you're like, man, I, I'm, I thought they, you know, were following Jesus. And then I walk in their life and I'm like, what are you doing? Or where are you going? But, but Jesus says this, but he says, but only the one who does the will of my father who's in heaven. It doesn't mean we're perfect but are we living for the things of God? Does our life look different than the world? Are we living for the things that are important? See, there's only three things that are eternal. Only three. One is God. God is eternal. The Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Jesus said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? I mean, you want to grow in your relationship with God. You want to pray you want a journal. You, want to, you don't want to go, hey, you know, I accepted Christ when I was seven and for 50 years, you know, and I'm going to get to heaven and go, hey, you remember me? You know, it's like, no, I want to be growing in that relationship. The second thing is God and then God's word. God's word is eternal. You know, the Bible tells us the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And so when you, when you read God's word, when you're in church, you're studying God's word, you're growing in things that are eternal. And the third is people. People are eternal. And so when you disciple somebody, when you share Christ with somebody, you're impacting their eternity, right? When you pray for somebody, when you bless somebody, when you encourage somebody, you're investing in the things that are eternal. So are you investing in your things in your life? Are you investing your life in the things that will last for eternity? I mean, if you look at where you spend your time and your money and your energy and all those kind of things, and it's fine. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen in this world. There's a lot of things that we do. A lot of things that we need to keep going in our lives, right? We got our jobs. We got our sports. We got all these things. But, but man, when you look overall, are you putting your energy into the things that are going to last for eternity? Are you living that kind of life? See, there will be rewards in heaven based on what we do here. Now, we're going to dive more into that next week. So you don't want to miss that. There's five different crowns that we receive 
in heaven. We'll get into that biblically, what those are. Uh, I don't think we're all going to be walking around with these different crowns. We'll see that next week. But there will be rewards based on what we do here. Now, when you're in heaven, you don't, you can't earn any more rewards, okay? Because everybody's a Christian. Everybody there, right? It's perfection. And so the only time is right here. The only time is these 60, 70, 80, 90 years that we have right here. So the question should be, right? The question should not be, how do I get into heaven? The question should be, how can I know Jesus? See, Jesus is the goal. Jesus is the goal. Are you growing in your faith? Are you maturing? Are you becoming? Jesus is the goal. Heaven is the reward. Heaven is the reward, right? We don't live our lives just for heaven. We live our lives for Jesus. And then heaven's the reward. You know, tomorrow is MLK Day, right? Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, what an incredible man of God. Uh, I mean, pastor, right? Baptist pastor that God used in such an incredible way in our country and to impact our country and to impact the world. And I'm so thankful for him. And I'm so thankful for what God did through him and impacting so many lives. And one of his most famous speeches, right? I have a dream. And I love that speech when he talks about this. He says, I have a dream. I have a dream that my four little children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Praise God, right? And he says, I have a dream, right? Where they're not gonna be black men and white men and, and, and Jews and Gentiles and Catholics and Protestants. I have a dream that one day we'll be free, free at last. You know when that dream's gonna be fulfilled is when we're in heaven. I mean, praise God when we're in heaven. I pray that dream would be filled here, right? Heaven come down to earth and may it be. May we love all people and value all people and encourage all people. But one day in heaven, it is gonna be perfection. One day in heaven, right? There's not gonna be blame and mistrust and anger and hatred. There's gonna be love, true love for one another and every tongue and every tribe all together, worshiping together. It's gonna be incredible. It's gonna be awesome. But the question is, will you be there? <laughs> will, you, will you be there? Ruth Ann Metzger is a, a woman, she's a professional singer. And she was invited several years ago to go and sing at the wedding of a billionaire's daughter. The billionaire was doing a wedding in Seattle and the reception was gonna be at the Columbia Tower in Seattle, which is the tallest building in Seattle, tallest building in Washington, 73 stories. It's the fourth tallest building in the entire West Coast. And the entire top is glass. It's beautiful, it's stunning. And Ruth Ann was blown away. She told her husband, I can't believe that. They want me to sing at the wedding. And, and so she gets the invitation. She looks at it, he says, I'll pay for your flight. I'll, I'll send a plane, we'll get you there. You sing at the wedding, the reception's gonna be, it'll blow your mind. She's so excited. She buys this brand new dress. She feels like a princess going to ball. I mean, she is so happy. Her husband has a tux. They get there, right? And, and they sing at the wedding. It's beautiful. And then she goes to the Columbia Tower and she recounts the story of being on the elevator and going up 73 floors and getting off. And it's breathtaking. Ice sculptures everywhere, servers and tuxes like this beautiful staircase where the bride and groom are gonna come down. She said, there is an orchestra over there. Then there's a band that's playing before. There's a dance floor. There's wild salmon all around. There's desserts, more than I could ever imagine. And she said, I'm just sitting there. I can't believe that I'm even here. 
And now I'm standing in line to, to check in. And it's like all celebrities, it's the who's who of, of Washington that's there. And, and she gets up to the maitre d' and, and he says, tell me your name. And she says, Ruth Ann Metzger. And he, how do you spell that? M-E-T-Z-E-R, Metzger. And he's like, I don't see it. Is it under your husband's name? And she's like, well, here's my husband's name. And he's like, I'm sorry, your name's not here. She said, but I sang at the wedding. I'm sorry, it's not here. And he motioned to a big guy in a tux and said, take them to the service elevator. And he pulls them out of the line and walks them down to the back to the service elevator where they get on the elevator and they go down by themselves and get out in the parking garage. (laughs) And here she is in her beautiful dress and her heels holding her husband's hand, walking through the parking garage to get back out to their car. She gets in the car and just loses it and is bawling and is weeping. And her husband reaches over and says, Ruthann, what happened? What happened? And she says, well, the invitation came. I, I got the invitation, but, but we were so busy and all these things were happening. And I saw the RSVP card and, and I just thought, I'll get around to it. I'll do it at some point, but, but I just never did. And then I thought, you know what? I'm singing at the wedding. They're just going to let me in. It's no big deal. And I got so excited and I was studying it. And I was looking at what it was going to be like. And, and I just never did it. I never sent it in. I never filled it out. And my name wasn't there. What about you? Has there ever been a time that you've said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Come into my heart, forgive my sins. I realize it's not about how good I am or bad I am. It's about you. Jesus, I need you right here today. I don't know where you are. I don't know where you grew up. I don't know what you've believed before, but I want to tell you what the Bible says. And I want to tell you that there is a God who has come for you. And if you were the only person in the world and you had sinned, God would still send his son, Jesus, for you. He loves you that much. Would you place your faith and trust in him? Would you place your life in his hands? Would you say, Jesus, I am fully yours today. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Maybe today's the day of salvation. Because Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And I want to follow you. I want to serve you. I want to be yours. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Maybe today God's put somebody on your heart and you go, you know what? I need to take this God's good news. I need to give it to them. There's somebody in my family who doesn't know Jesus. There's one of my friends. There's a coworker. They need the Lord. God, right now, would you be with them? God, right now, would you speak to their hearts? God, would you use me? Or maybe today you want to worship. (laughs) You just want to go, Jesus, thank you. Because when I was dead in my sins, in my transgressions, and I would be eternally separated from you, God, you stepped in and gave your one and only son. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to worship today. I want to celebrate you today. So Father God, here we are. And we've come to say it's all about you, Jesus. There is no name under heaven by which we must be saved the most powerful name and the most beautiful name. Jesus, we respond to you right now and worship. Meet us in this moment.
Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family who may benefit from it. And make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you want to learn more about Rolling Hills, download Church Center, our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.